Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. So, I am, and it happened. Do you ever have those moments that you go, God, you're speaking to me? I had one this past week, uh, Thursday. I had to go to one of the local stores to get some, um, some hardware for a box that I have that I'm going to put in my garage. So I'm getting some wheels. So I had to go to a local, one of the, like a hardware store. And I don't, I don't want to say the name um, because I don't want anybody getting mad at me, but it, it rhymes with Joe's. And so, so I'm at, I'm at Joe's and, 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 and I'm walk, walking um, out of my car and I'm parked down. If you know the one in Evans, I'm parked down by where the, where the plants are. And so I was just going to go in there, but there was a big sign at the door that said closed. And it said, use the other entrance. And I was like, okay, it's not that bad. I'm, I don't. So I go down to the other entrance and it said closed. And it said, use the, use the, the, the other entrance. There's an entrance at the far end with a contractor entrance. So I go all the way down there and I was waiting. I'm telling you, I was waiting for it to say closed. And if it said closed, I was going to go to the place that rhymes with Home Depot. <laughs> and so, but I, I, I finally got in. And, and, but here's, here's what happened. And, and, and maybe this is one of those God moments. It, it reminded me sometimes of how people look at religion. In religion, we feel like sometimes the same way. We feel like this door's closed, this door's closed, this door's closed, or this thing here, or this ideology, or this struggle, or this whatever. And, 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 and so many people, they, they just get turned off. And I literally got turned off from the doors being closed, and I was almost going to leave. And, and, and I wonder in the world that we live in, that, you know, between, I mean, and I'm just there's some world religions. You have, you know, like Buddhism and Muslim and, and, Ju- and Judaism, and you have, and then you have Christianity. And I just have this feeling, and, 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 and just so you don't think we're beyond it, we've made it just as much confusing as Christians how to get to God. As a matter of fact, there's so many little ideologies, like in churches nowadays, like you don't even know, and it's become Jesus and something else. It's Jesus, and you have to be at church on Sunday, or Jesus. So I, I, I was not, and you guys know my story a little bit. I was not raised in church, so um, Sundays was just a, a, another day. We just we would hang out, we'd go fishing, we'd go hunting, we'd do whatever. Uh, and then when we started going to church, like it was, we I, I lived up in New Jersey, and it wasn't nearly as 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 legalistic as the South is about Sundays. And let me explain this. So I, I get married into a family that's a hardcore Southern Baptist family. And when I say hardcore, they watched Billy Graham every Sunday afternoon. They would go to church and they would watch Billy Graham and then we'll have dinner. And so when I first married into the family, I was like, peace out on dinner. I'm going hunting. I'm going fishing. And, and Gina's uncles and grandfathers are like, you can't do that. That's the Sabbath. Anybody ever hear that before? Yeah, okay, so you know what I'm talking about. So that's the Sabbath day. You can't go fishing on this or hunting or golfing on the Sabbath day. And I'm like, it's my only day off. Like, it's the only time I like, and even when I got in the ministry, I mean, like Saturday's a work day for me. And so I remember like having this struggle. And then I realized it was like, it was Jesus and the Sabbath being, you know, kind of observed in a certain way, or it was, you know, in some places, just to be honest, it's Jesus and Republican, or, you know, and don't think it's just Republican. Some churches, it's Jesus and Democratic, you know, or Democrat, or, or maybe it's Jesus and hymns, and it's Jesus and maybe, maybe somehow or another, it's like modern songs, or maybe it's Jesus and postmodern, whatever it is. And, and here's my big fear, that eventually, if we're not careful, we're going to dumb it down so much to all these other things that we're going to forget the whole Jesus part. And we're going to forget the essence of the gospel that Jesus came and died on the cross because we're so worried about whatever our issues are. 
Uh, just let me go back to the story with my family. So I remember, and I'm not going to say who it was, um, but it was somebody very prominent in my wife's family said, you know, you can't do this because it's the Sabbath day. And I said, hey, by the way, buddy, the Sabbath is actually Saturday. And so every time you go and, and hunting and fishing on Saturday, you're the one breaking the Sabbath, not me. I'm like, peace out. Peace out. If we're not careful, though, you hear me on this? If we're not careful, it's going to be Jesus and something. And eventually Jesus is going to be the one that kind of gets out of the equation. And I've been thinking, so what did, so we're in these I am statements. And I think these are, these are, you know, these are, are bold moves. And he's trying to tell the world who he is and, and how we can have access to God. And so today is kind of one of my favorite ones. It's, it's the door. Jesus says, I am the door. And so let's read the passage. If you want to open your Bibles up to John chapter 10, we're going to start in verse one. You may want to keep your finger. I'm going to use a lot of other scripture, but you may want to keep your finger right there because we're going to keep going back. Okay, so I need you guys to do me a favor. As I'm reading through this, I need you to kind of, we're going to stop at the end of verse two or three, and I just need you to kind of either draw a line there in your Bible or, or just make a mental note because there's, there's two different scenarios happening here, and I'm going to bridge the gap between the two today. Truly, truly, I say to you in verse one, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay, so right there, remember? To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hears his voice, and he calls his sheep by his name and leads them out. When he was brought out of his own, he, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. That's important. They know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, or a metaphor, um, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then it says in verse seven, so Jesus again said to him, because they didn't get it the first time, he brings it full circle and he goes, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do, did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So the very first thing that Jesus says, and we've got to recognize, Jesus said he is our door, not a door, not one of many doors, not Jesus in something else. It's Jesus, period. And that's a struggle that a lot of people have. Now, I want to be honest with you today. Um, right away, when I say door, you think of a thing with hinges on it, right? And I could have, I was going to bring a prop up here and I was going to have a door with hinges and I was going to have this great illustration about this. The problem is I would be taking that scripture out of context and I don't want to take it out of context. Because there's two types of doors that are being talked about. And, and as a matter of fact, the, the, the original Greek word is the word thyra. And it, it's spelled T-H-Y-R-A. Uh, and it means nothing like a door swinging on, a, on hinges. There's actually two types of thyra or doors, okay? The first was when you would come to a town, there would be a constructed, you know, by stone maybe, or, you know, you know, maybe straw. There would be this huge pen and there would be this door that's, that, that's hanging on it. But, but, but there was a person and only a few people had the key. So the, the sheepfold or the sheep keeper is the only one that would have the key. And Jesus is talking metaphorically now about that gatekeeper. And he says about the key. And he says, anybody that tries to come over or go through another way is a Pharisee or is a, is a hypocrite. So he's saying, listen, only come this way. They don't get it. So he uses another thyra, another illustration, and it's an illustration when they would go out to pasture. So in the summertime, they would take all their sheep out to pasture. 
And a shepherd would literally make a huge circle out of stone and logs and all that stuff. But they wouldn't have a door. They had no way to hang a door. So the, the, the shepherd would literally lay in the space where, the, where they were coming in and out. And so he became literally the door. So he would lay down. And in that, it was a sign of, of protection. It was a sign that once you're in the, the sheep, when you're with the shepherd, you're fine. You're protected. Nobody can come in or out. And I think it said something also about those who are far off, about you were not welcome in here. So he protected those people. The imagery is clear picture of what Jesus did for us. So when he's saying this to these religious people, he's going, listen, you come in another way and you don't use the key, you're a thief. He says, if you don't come through the, 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 the door gate, the, the ship, the ship fold, if you don't come through that, you're coming in through another way. So it's interesting to me because I found this word, Thyra, nine times in the New Testament. Nine times it's talked about. And I'm going to tell you the first thing is we are invited to come through the door and see the evidence of the risen Savior. Watch this. Watch this. This is so, like, like I'm about to wet myself. I'm so excited today. Like, it's so awesome. Like, listen to this. Matthew chapter 27, verse 20. The word is found here. It says, and it laid in its own new tomb, okay? And laid in its own, uh, in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock, and he rolled a great thyra stone. This is talking about Jesus. He rolled a great stone in front of it to the entrance of the tomb and went away. So that we're getting this imagery of this door, right? But in verse 28, or chapter 28, verse 2, it says, and behold, there was a great earthquake. We, we know this. We're going to celebrate this in a couple of weeks. There's this great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and he came back, and he rolled back the thyra. Isn't that cool? Like he rolled it back. You know why? He wanted all of humanity to be able to look in and see that Jesus wasn't there anymore. So he became, he became the door for us. He became the empty tomb for us. Now, it also talks about we're invited to knock and open the door. Thyra is mentioned again when Jesus is describing how to pray. Verse, uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, don't do this with me, by the way. Don't come to my house at midnight. I'll be asleep and I will not open the door. Friend, let me three loaves for... For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, not to bother me. The door is now shut. The thyra is now shut. He said, you can't come in. And my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or his, his tenacity, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now watch what he says. I tell you, you ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find and knock and the what? The door will be open. The door, the thyroid will be open. If you, if you ask, this is our access we have to God. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. He's talking about thyroid right there. He's talking about the same metaphor he's using in the book of John when he's talking about, he's talking about Jesus being the door. Revelation chapter four, verse one. Get a load of this one. And after I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven, a thyra. You know who opened that door to heaven? Jesus, when he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, the door is open. And you know, here's one of my fears. Can I just be honest today? One of my fears is lots of people feel like the door has been permanently shut to them because of their past. There's lots of people that go, you know something, my sin is so big. And I, and, and, and I have a fear that some people, maybe not in this room, but maybe some of the people that we know 
have a fear that they're too far gone. They're just way too far gone. That God could never love doubt. God would never answer one of their, their prayers. Can I give you a huge truth today? We have all been locked out of heaven because of our sin and disobedience. Every one of us, the door, Thyra has been locked because of our sin. It goes back to Genesis chapter three. But because of the great God we have, those sins separated us. Jesus opened the pathway. That's why when he says, listen, I am the door. No one comes in any other way except for through me. He was, all, he was already telling about what was going to happen at the cross. When he went into, he went into hell, he led captivity captive. He broke the veil in two. He ripped the veil in two. And he allowed us access to the Father, which actually kind of leads to the next thing. Through the door, we now have accessibility to heaven. I don't know about you guys, but that's pretty big to me. Like I have accessibility. I can, I can, I, I, Jesus made the entrance for me to me. Even though I was locked out of heaven, Jesus opened that door back up so I can get back in. Verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and we'll go, we'll go in and out and find pasture. See, Jesus came to the earth proclaiming that he and he alone was the way to heaven. You know what's so interesting about Jesus especially, but he didn't merely come to teach us a way, right? He didn't come just to say, I'm the way. He showed us he was the way. He didn't just say it. He didn't just blow smoke up people's skirts. He, he actually, like, he did it by, by, by being murdered and by putting in the cave and by resurrecting. He didn't merely come to teach us he was the truth. He was the truth. He, he didn't merely come to tell us about life. He came to give us life. John 10.10, 10, we just read it a second ago. See, everybody else, every religious leader that came gave recipes how to get to God. And Jesus said, I am the way to God. I'm not giving you a recipe. I'm not giving you a couple, you do these, these three things and you come to God. He goes, I am the way, I am the door. Jesus said in John 14, six, and we're gonna look at this on Easter Sunday. So I don't wanna get too deep into this, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except for through me. You can try to go every other way. You can go to this door, it's gonna be locked. You can go to this door, you can go to this door, but this is the only one that's gonna work. And that's through me. Jesus came to bring us Back to God, because we couldn't find our way to God ourselves. Can I throw something out? I have a pet peeve. You want to hear my pet peeve? So don't ever come up to Pastor Bobby and say this. When I found God, when I found God, can I let you know a secret? God wasn't lost. God wasn't lost. He's never been lost. He knows right where he is right now, you know, sitting, sitting up in what, where, where, wherever he's at, whatever it looks like. We were the ones that were lost drives me crazy. And he provided a way while we were lost, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet far from him, he provided a way for us to come back to him. It's the universal dilemma. We have this gap that, that we didn't create. I, I, I do this a lot. I don't, I don't want to do it today necessarily because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I would usually go, hey, so how many people here have ever lied? And everybody in the room would raise their hand, right? Right. How many people not on Sundays because we're religious people. How many people said a dirty word? You know, maybe you said it on Sunday too. I don't know. How many people talked to their wife wrong or their, you know, kicked their dog and it was somebody else, you know, whatever. And I would go, you know, look around, everybody's hands up, but we're jacked up. You go to a jacked up church. Everybody in this church is far from God. And that's the truth, isn't it? And so by birth, because of Adam and Eve, we're far from God. And by choice, we choose with, with, our, with our rebellion to walk away from God at times. And tragically, though, some spend their whole lives alienated from God because of some of those reasons. 
Some people never experience a relationship. You probably know some. They've never res- a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. They, they don't understand what it, what it means to have the John 10, 10 blessing pronounced over life. They don't understand, you know, came to give you life and gave it to, to the fullest. Never feeling like they were worthy of, enough of even God answering a prayer. I was with a guy a couple weeks ago and he goes, why would God ever answer my prayer? All the things I've said bad about him, all the things I've done. And I said, you are in the exact position that God wants you in. Exact position. Because you can't without God. You know, some, sometimes you don't realize how much you need God until you don't have him. Right? Like it's that moment when you're way far away from him. It, it reminded me of the story of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son's way far off and he's sitting in the pig pen. He never disowned his father. Some, some people think that, oh, he disowned, he, didn't, he just took the inheritance. He wanted was what was his for a future date, but he's in, sleeping in the pig pen and it says, I love it. He says, he comes to his senses. Man, we need to all have a moment where we come to our senses, don't we? Where we come to that moment where we, we realize we can't do it on our own. I love the way Ephesians chapter two, verse 13 says it. But now in Christ Jesus, and I love that but now, uh, that, that but now means this, even in our sin, but now, even when we're far from him, but now, even when we're not doing all the things that we're supposed to be doing, but now, but now Christ in Christ Jesus, you were once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Luke chapter 10 says it like this, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. He's been, he's been chasing after us ever since we've been created. Ever since the moment we came out of, he's been chasing after. It's like, how many people have kids? Anybody have kids? This is one of my favorite things. I remember, and, and, and there's not many things I miss about small kids. I do not miss changing diapers, okay? But this is what I miss. You remember that you'd play the game of chase and you're running behind them and they're like, and, and they, they don't know that at any moment you could just speed up your pace a little bit and pick them up and hug them. They think, I'm actually outrunning daddy. I'm actually outrunning. And there's that moment in time where they turn around and they run back at you. Isn't that the coolest moment as a parent? It's just like one of those, that's what God's waiting for us to do. To stop running, turn around and embrace the father. I don't know what you brought here today. And this, this was not even part of the message, but I don't know what you brought here today. Can I tell you, the father's still chasing after you. You may not feel like the father. You may not feel the father's even around you, but the father is still, and all he's waiting for us to do is turn around and lift our arms up. I'd encourage you today, make, make, make that part of your life. Okay, so here's the next thing. There's an invitation for us to know him personally, which leads right into what we're just talking about. See, the invitation isn't that he's this nebulous door. It, it, it's, a, it's a shepherd sheep relationship where he knows. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So in the third century, let me give you a little bit of church history. You probably know some of this, but in the third century, there developed a teaching that said the only way you could be saved is if you pronounced yourself to a certain church. So you weren't saved because of Jesus. Hear me on this? You were because you're a certain, you're, you were Catholic or Lutheran or you were first Baptist of whatever or second Baptist or you know 30th Baptist of whatever. That was the, and, 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 and we go, well, that doesn't happen now. Oh, it, it happens today. You know, there's lots of churches in all the denominations, all the across the board, that if you're not baptized into their church, they don't think, and they ask you to get re-baptized and join the church at that same moment. And, and I think we're, it's, remember I said in the beginning, there's all these different things, there's all these different doors, there's all the, all the I think we made it Jesus and church membership. 
I think we've made it, it's Jesus, and if, I, if I'm a Baptist, or, or if I'm a, a Pentecostal, or if I'm, if I'm you know, a Episcopalian, or whatever, and we start doing this, and even today, we have the same attitude, and some people think that, that I'm a Christian because I'm a member of a certain church, or I walked the aisle at Mimos Church. When I was a kid, a vac- vac- anybody do this? At Vacation Bible School, you walked a little aisle, and you filled out a little paperwork, and they took you to, one of the reasons, you guys are going to laugh at me, one of the reasons I make so much fun of that is because I did it one time, and it didn't make me saved. And, 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 and I walked a little aisle, because all my friends were doing it, and it was a girl down there. So I wanted to get saved, but not really saved. And I filled out the paperwork and, they, and they, they take me to a back room and they pray with me. And it was years later. That was like in 1976. I was in like middle school. It was years later when I was in high school that I realized that I wasn't saved. And you know what we've made Christianity to be about? Paperwork. We've made Christianity to be about paperwork. You fill out the paper, you go to the secret room, you, you walk the little aisle and you're a believer. That doesn't make you a believer. You know what that makes you? Really good at paperwork. It's about the extent of it. And, 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 and so it's one of those deals. Being a Christian is not about that. It's about a personal relationship. So John 10, 14, and we're going to look at this next week. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own, my own know me. It's a personal relationship. I know the father and the father knows me. We, see, we have to learn to make a distinction in our life between knowing about Jesus and knowing him personally. Did you hear me on that? I didn't get an amen, so let me try that one again. We have to draw the distinction about just knowing about Jesus and knowing him personally. So I want you all to think in your mind real fast. I want you to think of a dynamic relationship that you have. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's a mom or dad or a child, whatever it is. It's dynamic. Like like you guys, like you almost know exactly what's going to happen with each other all the time. Now, here's the deal. It's not important, though you probably know this, what color eyes they have. It's important, right? Or when they were born, their birthday, that's pretty important. Or maybe where they were born, or maybe their genealogy, or maybe what makes them tick in life a little bit. But that, that's all that is, is you know about that person. You know how you know and have a personal relationship with somebody? Time spent. It's looking, it's looking in somebody's eyes and you feel the pain with them. So over the last couple of weeks, it's been a little trying in our house, my mother-in-law who's doing fantastic, but for a couple, three weeks, we weren't sure what was, what was going on. And my wife would come home and not have to say a word to me. I could see it in her eyes. I can see the concern. I can see the love. And I, I kept telling her, I'm so proud of you. You're, you're, you're amazing. You're an amazing daughter. You're one of, you know, I, I, I'm so proud of you. How do I know her? Because I know that she was born in Matthews, Georgia, and I know that her birthday is April 26th. No, I know her because we sit on the couch together or we sit at the dinner table across from each other or we sit on the back porch or we sit by the fire pit or we go on vacations by ourselves. We don't double date. We go on date dates, right? Double dating went out with middle school, okay? I go on date dates with my wife. That relationship, that relationship like there I just described is the same one that Jesus wants to have with every one of us. Not that we just know him and know about him, that we have a personal. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Let me give you the last thing. We're gonna close right here. We're called to go through that door as human beings. We're encouraged to go through that door every day. 
every day, right? This is what it says. My sheep hear my, I'm sorry. It, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And I love this part. He will go in and out and find pasture. Now that doesn't mean you're in and out of God's grace. I did something wrong today. You know, how many people have ever been to youth camp before? I told you before, man, I, I saw this, the same kids get saved 400 times. They, I mean, you know, they, they said a dirty word. I got saved again. No, that's not what he's talking about here. But what is he talking about? So when we read the scripture, going in, this is simple. It's spending time with the Father. You go in, you spend time in the protection of the Father. You're, you're, reading, you're reading the love letter to him. You're, you're spending time talking to him. You're in fellowship with him. The going out, it's the, same, it's the same thing. You're spending time in, but you're going out doing, like we talked about last week. Remember last week we talked about invite cards? Jocelyn, I think, is going to talk about this a little bit, but we got Easter invite cards. When you go out, it's you take all the things that God's doing on the inside and you let them come out on the outside. Can I throw something out real quick? You can't give what you don't have, though. You can't give what you don't have. If you're not spending time with the Father, it's words. Wah, 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 right? But when you're spending time with the Father, there's an anointing that's on your life. There's something that God does, and he, he fills those words with his spirit. So you go in and out, and then you find pasture. And I love this because this was one that I had to really think through. It, and there's this visual of sheep grazing in an open field under a watchful care of, the, of a shepherd. They're not worried about the enemy, the coyote or a wolf coming. They're just eating to their heart's content. And I can hear some of you, well, that's never going to happen in this world. Now with all the stuff that's going on, and, and, uh, and it's never going to. Yes, it does happen. I had the most amazing visual a couple Saturdays ago. So I was blessed with the opportunity a couple Saturdays ago to play the Augusta National Golf Course. I shot at 86. That's really good. You should standing ovation right now for your pastor. Just kidding you. So I was not going to say the score, but I don't have enough time today to tell everybody what you shoot. Like, what you, it's the rest of the world. So 86. But we're on the, so if you've never been there, oh my gosh. It's like peace and serenity. So we're sitting behind the gate. They actually have these things that come up out of the ground that you can't get in. Like you try to, and, but when you're allowed to come in, they, and you ride through and you turn around and they, come out. Like there's like five or six, I mean, it's, it's awesome. But we get behind the gate and we're at the driving range and I'm hitting balls and um, I'm sitting there and the guy goes, we had our own personal caddy, somebody carrying my bag. I'm trying to get my wife to do that. She's not playing along. He would, he would drop balls down for me to hit. I was like, thank you, sir. Like, thank you, kind sir. Like, I didn't, know, I didn't know exactly what I was supposed to do, right? It was weird. So I'm hitting balls, and the guy goes, I wonder what's going on. I said, what are you talking about? And, and we walk out on the golf course, and we're out there, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. It's like, it's like an adult Disney world. It's like, ah. So I'm sitting there, and the guy goes, what's all that rap? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you don't hear those trucks going up and down Washington Road, the fire trucks and the police. I'm like, I didn't hear a thing. Like, I, I'm in my own little like world right here. And it dawned on me. That's what it means to be in pasture with the Father. That I'm behind the gates and I'm not even paying attention to anything else that's going on out here. The things that are going on in the world aren't bothering me because I'm in pasture with the Father. The shepherd, he, he knows, he, he wants, he has my best interest in mind. And so regardless of what was going on on that day, I didn't, I wasn't worried about anything. You probably said, well, what about, yeah, I get it. 
And there's times where we are going to be living a little bit in fear or we're going to be a little bit, you know, like shaking a little bit. But you know something? When I'm in the Father's hands, I can relinquish those things. You know what fear stands for? False evidence that appears real. Not real. And so why do we fear when we know we're in the Father's hands? See, a relationship with the Father when we go through the right door is just like that. I love, this is one of my, I almost say life verses. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I thought about it. And after he had found, you know something? It wasn't until he brought it to my attention that I even hear the stupid police. And then it was like, oh gosh. And then I was reminded of this passage. Verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am the door. You come in, safe passage, protection. I'll keep the enemy out. But you got to go through the door. Max Lucado in one of his books tells a story about a newlywed couple that had a honeymoon disaster. So he did what every good new husband does. He looks for the most romantic room, the place they're going at the most romantic place with the view that's the most romantic. He asked for all the good stuff, the roses, all rose petals on the bed. And there's a huge, you know, in the brochure, there's this huge bed and, you know, a heart-shaped hot tub. And, and the view out there is looking across the, well, they get there that night of their honeymoon. It's late at night. And they get there and they walk in and there's no big bathtub. There's no candy. There's no roses. There's nothing. As a matter of fact, there's not even a bed. It's the honeymoon. So they finally figure out there's this drop-down bed and they use that drop-down bed and the next morning they get up and he runs down to the counter and he goes, I am furious. He said, I am absolutely furious. I cannot believe that you guys did what you did. That is such a bait and switch. We, we couldn't even find a bed. And, and, the, and the guy at the, the desk just says one thing. Did you go through the other door? He goes, what? Go through the other door. So he walks upstairs and he walks into this little cubbyhole area and he walks through the other door and everything that was in the brochure was right there. The beautiful bed, the flowers, the candy, the perfect view. And I'm telling you, that's the struggle we have. At some point, if we want what the father has, we have to walk through the door and we have to understand that he is exactly who he said he was. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. And we talked about a lot, God. There was lots of moments this, this morning where we talked in reference to you being the gate. And, and God, one thing that I said that, that all week that has been really kind of, is that some people, maybe even in this room, maybe watching online or maybe watching over in the atrium, feel like they have no accessibility to the Father. Maybe they feel like what they've done is so bad. And God, right now, the way I know that you do it, because I watched it happen in my own personal life. God, I pray that as humans, we would stop and just turn around. But as the God that loves us, you would sweep us up. 
just as Zephaniah says. You restore us back to life by your love. That moment right there where we realize that we need you more than we need it, the air that we breathe, that moment when you embrace us, when you pick us up, and God, we literally walk through that door. God, I'm thankful for every of the I am statements, but this one right here, God, in the world that we live in makes so much sense to me. I pray that you would speak to each one of us individually today about how we need to go through the door, how we need to spend time with you, how we need to be in and out, what we need to do to be and closer to the Father, Jesus. That's why I pray that we would all be closer to you. God, I'm thankful for the moment we have today. God, I'm thankful for every person that showed up at this campus. I'm thankful for what's going on upstairs right now in our children's ministry area. And most of all, I'm thankful that I have an opportunity. I have an opportunity to go in and out personally. God, I pray all this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.